Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Paul Dottino with Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels with you. And today we continue our NFL Draft Prospect Preview shows. We focus in on the Clemson Tigers with Josh Needleman of the Post and Courier of Charleston, South Carolina. Josh, first up, we hope all is well with you, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk Clemson football with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really, really appreciate it. It's uh, nice to have a little distraction every now and now again there these times. Yeah, there's no question about that, and and I know that uh, Jeff and I certainly are anxious to hear some of your thoughts on the Tigers. Uh, and first up, I I think we've got to hit the premier prospect who many people, including myself, have targeted for the New York Giants with the fourth overall pick in the draft, Isaiah Simmons. Now, I could probably talk to you for about an hour and a half without breathing about all the great things that he brings to the table. So I'm going to ask you, give me a criticism. Give me a box that he does not check as an NFL scout tries to contemplate where they're going to take him. Well, he, he probably can't play NFL quarter, quarterback. That's, yeah, that's uh, about it, right? That's, yeah. that's probably about it. I mean, on, on the defensive side, he, he can really do everything. I mean, what, what, what you guys have heard is right. Um, I mean, this Tigers defense this last year, was probably not as deep as some uh, as some previous Tigers defenses, especially on the defensive line. And you know, he really just um, he was the engine. You know, he just he he, uh, he covered he covered for a lot of guys and was all over the place. And you know, obviously that incredible uh, combination of speed and athleticism and strength and toughness is all there. It's all real. Uh, I know it's not maybe the answer you're looking for, but um, you'd have to squint. You have to really squint to find a weakness with that guy. Josh, I know that when uh, he was at the Combine, he was um, getting interviewed by multiple people. Uh, people kept asking him about his position, and, you know, we know he played all over the place. Um, he kept saying, I'm a defensive player. In your mind, does he want to play inside or outside linebacker? Where do you think he really actually would like to, to wind up and play in the NFL? I think he'd probably be most comfortable at outside linebacker, uh, just because he, he did spend most of his reps there this past year at the position. Um, but obviously it's good from him, good for him from a marketing perspective, right, to, to say he can play all over the place. But um, I, I think naturally his skill set probably more aligns um, on that side of the field. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, he you know, he played safety. Uh, he came into Clemson as a safety. Um, transitioned to linebacker these past couple years. Um, the versatility is real for sure. Do you think in some some way, shape, or form that inhibited his development? When you play so many different positions in college, isn't it tougher to develop the super advanced skills at only one of them? Could that be listed as a detriment to, to his his pro pro readiness, so to speak? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I mean, I... I... I think it's also important to remember that he's just an incredibly smart, sharp kid who, you know, I don't know that he has necessarily like a photographic memory in the Richard Sherman sense, but you know, he is really, really smart, and it was he's pretty, pretty um, willing and able to you know, go from one position to the other pretty, pretty quickly. Um, yeah, sure, he might not have that refined skill set, um, you know, of a middle linebacker or, or safety. Um, I, I, I think that that's a legitimate concern for sure. Um, but you know, I, I think it's also important to realize that 
you know, guys in the NFL are now looking for those guys who can play multiple positions. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that's, le- that's legitimate. Um, but you know, I, just, I just think from what we've seen, um, the, the talent and the speed and the athleticism and the intelligence is just so off the chart. Um, you feel like a guy, like I say, Simmons could probably make up for some of those, uh, or maybe, um, you know, lacking super, super experience at a, a particular position. Well, you mentioned that he's smart. I think that probably uh, helps him out a lot. And, you know, knowing that he has all the ability in the world. Some of these guys that come in the NFL, they have all the ability in the world, but they don't have any smarts whatsoever. So, you know, with the with the way that the NFL is going today and the world that we live in, as far as teams moving things back and having the ability to pick up things quickly, I think Isaiah Simmons would be a great fit for the Giants. I know Paul has been talking about this guy since he was eligible. And I think he, is, he would be excited to have you know him as the Giants. And um, I know that the Clemson Tigers have got a lot of other guys that we want to try to get to. The next one, in my opinion, um, he slots in there as, as one of these guys that's involved in a huge draft this year as far as the wide receiver position. I think we've seen him enough on TV to know he's a big player. Um, you know, he's tall. He's got good size. He's able to go and he has good ball skills. I've seen him on tape being, going up there and getting that 50-50 ball. Um, talk to us a little bit about T. Higgins, what he brings to the team, and what you like about his character and how he will fit into the NFL. Oh, man. T. Higgins does not get enough attention. I mean, I, I think it's just a product of being on that offense with, with Trevor Lawrence, who just takes up so much oxygen. There's early so, and Travis Etienne as well. But, I mean, T. Higgins was just, you know, uh, you know, as importantly offense, um, arguably, as those two. Um, just, you know, can go up and get in any ball. Um, incredibly sharp route runner. Um, set a lot of records at Clemson. Uh, I believe he tied, I believe he, he's in a three-way tie for the most touchdown receptions um, in the program history. Um, Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Huff. Um, so, you know, the resume's there. Um what wasn't was wasn't really any doubt as to whether he could come back for a senior year. A guy with that level of talent, um, he's you know he, he was he was guaranteed to come out. Um, and Clemson also has another guy, Justin Ross, who's <laughs> almost his, his spiritual equal. Um, very very similar player, very similar route runner, body and speed. So look out for him next year. Um, but yeah, can't say enough good things about T. Higgins. His forty time, I think, um, was a little bit less than he wanted it to be. Uh, but I, I, I think um, just, you know, his ability to go up and get the ball and his route running should probably compensate for any, um, you know, any concern people might have for that 40 times. Well, now, now tell me this. The comparisons that I do hear from people who like him a lot, say A.J. Green uh, of the Bengals, how much press coverage did he face in college? I would anticipate, and I haven't looked at all of his different tapes, but – I would anticipate because of his incredible skill set, most people played off and gave him some room and some cushion. In the NFL, he's going to face some corners who are feisty, and they're going to want to get in his grill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely a legitimate point. I mean, the counterpoint is, you know, he did play, and um, I guess he started in four college football playoff games, you know, against Ohio State, LSU. You know about their secondaries, and then Lester obviously Alabama and other games. So you know, obviously, over the course of the season, Clemson's playing um, ACC teams, which traditionally, um, I guess, the last few years hasn't been the strongest conference in the world. Um, but you know, those, those last two games of the year, he performed well. Um, all four of them, in fact, 
from the house taking where he missed some time um, with injury where he came back late in the game. But, you know, he had that experience playing against um, some more skilled, more and more tough-nosed corners, and his numbers bear out well over those games. The other day, we were talking about um, LSU, and they had, I mean, I mean, we couldn't finish the show in time. They had to have these personal prospects in the NFL. I mean, Clemson, I, I think this is a little bit of a down year as far as uh, prospects go. Wouldn't you say, Josh, as far as the guys that are, that are eligible for the draft, they're going to be coming out? Um, you know, I'm looking down here. I'm really only reading five or six names that guys just probably have a chance to get drafted. But um, A.J. Terrell is one of these guys that I feel like is a little bit underrated, a guy that probably doesn't get enough attention. Um, because of all the other quarterbacks that are above him. Tell us a little bit about A.J. and what you like about him. So, so A.J. is obviously super talented. He had that. Um, he had the interception against Alabama in the 2018-2019 in the, uh, National Championship game against Alabama um, in the first quarter. That sort of set the tone. Um, he kind of got picked on against LSU. Um, I, I believe that he was picked on for two touchdowns. In coverage, and that pretty early on by Joe Burrow, so that 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 definitely hurt stock a little bit. Um, but a lot of talent there, obviously. I mean, he didn't get thrown out a ton, a ton um, last year. His reputation preceded himself. The, the bad news for our teams was that Clemson had another fantastic tight end in uh, in Darion Kendrick, who you know was very effective in coverage. But yeah, I mean, AJ Terrell was definitely a, a guy that was on top of other teams' scatter before it's all year. Um, really, really talented. Um, did, did get a little bit exposed by, by, Joe, Joe, by Joe Burrow, but, uh, I, I mean, join the club. I mean, who, who didn't Joe Burrow um, throw touchdowns over, over last season? But, yeah, I, I, I think Terrell um, probably translates to a really good NFL player. Um, you know, definitely, definitely has that, that skill, um, that Clemson pedigree, um, decent size as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that national title game probably um, hurt him a little bit. But uh, I think he, he still – well, you know, Josh, we know how people get fascinated with a lot of the numbers, and, and they measured him at 6'1", 195 was what I saw, and then his pro day time, at 432, 4.32. Uh, that's going to make a lot of pro scouts very happy. So his straight-ahead speed is certainly there. Of course, we always laugh about it's the Underwear Olympics when they time these guys. But in terms of uh, his, his stickiness, uh, how how sticky was he far downfield covering deep threats? He was. I mean, he, he was most most of the season. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd be remiss though if I did, if I didn't go back to that LSU game. I mean, he you know he really did get beat a couple times. Um, but, but aside from that, he, he was he's mostly on his guy. Um, just you know, if you go back and look at tape against LSU, it does not look good. Um, got got beat badly a couple times there. Um, but you know, really fast. It, you know, there could be a variety of factors that went into that game. Um, but for, for the most part, yeah, really, really sticky. The Giants, in my opinion, we need offensive linemen. Um, talk to me mm. about you know just a couple of the offensive linemen that are that are draftable this year. Tell me a little bit about those guys. I know, especially Tremaine. Is it Ankrum? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, yeah, Tremaine Ankrum. Um, probably the most the guy getting the most NFL look. Um, it's John Simpson. I mean, it's been a while since Clemson's had an offensive lineman drafted, um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, they've had pretty much every other position. Yeah. Um, they've had guys go to the NFL, but I mean, John Simpson, six foot four, three hundred thirty pounds. Um, in many ways, was, was the leader of that offensive line. Um, you know, he, he came out and 
and spoke for the team at ACC uh, Media Day last year wearing a, a Trevor Lawrence wig. Uh, a little moment of levity there, but he's—I mean, yeah, he's—he's—he's he's, he's definitely had a, had an interest um, with a lot of teams. Um, st- strong character guy, um, always loves talking to the media. I can say that. Uh, yeah, I know Dado loved him. He, he was—he was solid. He was a rock. And um, I don't know that Akram or, or Servanko or Pollard back are also eligible. I don't know that they're getting the same looks um, at Simpson just because of his ties. But yeah, yeah, I sure Simpson looks like the guy on the line. I want to build off of Simpson for a second, Josh, because I know he's played both guard spots. I mean, 6'4", 330. His power game in a telephone booth situation is terrific. But, but and, and, and from what I've been told, he had a tremendously difficult childhood, which has really uh, kind of, I, I want to say honed his work ethic because this is a guy who from everything that I have read and obviously you've already started to talk about, he is very much well-liked and and puts it all out there on the field because he appreciates everything that he's gotten. So I wonder, is he is he the kind of guy who's going to be more of a scheme fit? Because I do worry about his mobility against the quicker slashing pass rushers, but if you put him in that telephone booth spot as a guard – a power running game, boy, if someone's just going to gonna bludgeon people and go straight ahead and run inside the tackles, I think he's a great fit. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, especially just looking at Clemson's, Clemson's running back um, last year, I, I, I mean, yeah, that power running game was you know, Travis Etienne between the tackles, uh, Lynn J. Dixon. I mean, Travis Etienne barely drove a sweat and was setting, became the all-time Clemson Clemson. Uh, Clemson uh, uh, running back in terms of yards gained. Um, Simpson was obviously a really, really big part of that. Um, and just to go back to Simpson's family and childhood work ethic, his family actually derived every football game. So they drove across the country to Arizona from, uh, from South Carolina this year. <laughs> so it just, just goes to show you where that sort of that, uh, that work ethic comes from. Really strong in that family. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That, uh, definitely that power running game would be something that um, I think Simpson would have a lot of success in. Final question for me before we let you go. Uh, I want to go back to Isaiah Simmons for a second. I had read that initially when he was at Clemson this past year, he played at about 230, but then at Pro Day he measured at 238. Is is that true? And and are, are pro scouts looking at him from your understanding to actually put on some size and muscle and some beef? which could, of course, uh, alter perhaps some of his mobility. I don't think that it will, because if it did, I don't think they'd want him to get bigger. But is there any truth to him getting a little bit bigger since he's coming out? Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was a 238. Um, that's accurate. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that. So, so, so you're asking, is the truth to teams wanting him to get a little bit bigger on top of that, you're saying, or, or just um, in terms of that, that, that weight gain already. Well, in in terms of are, are they hoping to see him play at about 240? I mean, clearly he made a decision to try to up his number a little bit. That See, that to me says he's going to be more of a pro linebacker, which is where I see him fitting. I know some people want to see him more in pass coverage as more of a uh, strong safety type. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think I think at this point of teams, teams looking at him as a linebacker, I, I believe he's been working out um, – Mainly as a linebacker, um, so that, that that would point to to, to that as well. Um, I, I, 
think I see him more as a linebacker personally. Um, just, you know, to be able to get up in that box and just with his tremendous um, size and length. Um, I don't see him getting much bigger than to Josh Needleman of the Post and Courier from Charleston, South Carolina, as he discussed the Clemson Tigers NFL draft prospects. And Jeff, uh, certainly he sounded uh, very enthusiastic about one Isaiah Simmons. I don't want to, you know, push you into any corner, but it did sound as though he was a little bit more in favor of the Giants taking him at four than maybe some other people would be. Well, I think that a lot of people are in the same decision there. I mean, I, I listen, you and I both know we've talked about this a million times, Paul. I'm not going to be discouraged if Isaiah Simmons shows up on the board at number four to the Giants. I'm really not. I mean, it's going to be – he's an outstanding player. I think he's one of those guys where, like a Saquon Barkley, he's going to be making plays every game that you're going to be there and you're going to go, wow, now I know why we grabbed this guy at number four. And I think that the position for him is linebacker. But listen – we talk about this all the time about versatility. The more you can do, the better you are. Well, his skill set with Patrick Graham maybe putting him in different situational stuff every week to exploit a matchup, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. So with that ability, he'd be able to do it. So this is exciting. And, you know, you, you talk about um, a, a smart individual, as Josh was saying, and we were mentioning it to him about the fact that, you know, you don't know when this season what's going to happen as far as preparation to go, the OTAs and, and learning new systems. If you got a smart guy that can come in there and pick up something, you know, fairly quickly, that's just an added uh, – it's just it's certainly uh, an advantage that he'll have over some of the other guys. I'm going to give you a couple of numbers from Field Yates of ESPN All right. who said that last season at Clemson uh, – he played 286 snaps in the slot, 218 snaps as a safety, 160 snaps as an outside linebacker, 120 snaps as an inside backer or a middle linebacker, depending on the formation, right. and 17 snaps as a boundary corner. Now, this is a guy who was 6'4", 230. Uh, he rushed the passer 71 times. They sent him as a pass rusher. And he had seven sacks out of those 71 attempts. The numbers just fly off the page. And I think the the thing that really, really kind of uh, put a smile on my face, because I've always seen him more as a weak side linebacker and then, you know, the sub-middle linebacker in, in in the nickel package, the fact that he put eight pounds on and now he is at 238. And we heard Josh Needleman from the Post and Courier say, I think that's where he's going to wind up staying. That just says to me what I've thought all along. That's where he should be. I don't really think he is a safety in the NFL. I don't think he is so much a slot guy uh, or, or a boundary guy. I think you, what you do is you reduce his playbook. Start Get him concentrating on, on one or two positions. The, the weak side outside linebacker and then the sub package uh, inside linebacker. And I think if you focus him on those two things, I think he's going to be a really terrific pro. I do too. And I, I think it's all about... Um, you know, what type of defense that Patrick Graham is going to instill every week? Will it be a 3-4, 4-3? Will it be a 2-5, do a 2-7? You know what I'm saying, Paul? Sure. You never know what's going to happen. But Isaiah Thomas, or Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Simmons is not coming off the field. He's, he's not coming off the field, I can tell you that, if that's their guy. And, and I think that I would rather, I would love to see him rushing 
the passer. I'd love to see that athleticism matched up on some of those big old tackles where all he his you know his his versatility and being able to get those guys off off kiltered and then make a swim move or something and get in there and, and get after that quarterback because you know uh, Golden not being on the team as we speak you're missing something you're missing that you're missing ten stacks now. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see him at that position too. So a lot of versatility there. And again, like I said, Paul, and I think you agree with me if, you know, in the sub, wherever it is that he, they can have him match up against somebody, um, then they're going to do it. And he's going to be able to, to really exploit that other, the offense. And I can't wait to watch him if he's going to be the guy. Well, the other thing I like about it, Jeff, when, when you bulk him up to 238, you give him a little bit extra beef. It, mm-hmm. it also means he should be able to hold up against the run better. If yeah. he's going, if he's going to have to deal with some of that traffic between the tackles, and there's one other number that I did see, and this was very interesting to me. It, this came off of the measurements out of the combine and the pro day. His length was over 33 inches, which for a, a player at six foot four puts him in the 73 percentile amongst people that size. So his length is also going to dramatically help him, whether he's covering a tight end or he's trying to ward off blockers in the run game to make a tackle. Well, yeah, you know, you mentioned all those things, and I just, when we were doing a little bit of research about our guys from Clemson, some of the weaknesses that were brought up, and you asked at the top of the show, you know, what is what are the, what is there a weakness that this guy has? Um, some of them are basically getting unglued from blocking tight ends and also has issues um, – you know, as far as in the run game, getting off of block. So I think that beefing up a little bit, being able to use some of that leverage and some of that extra weight that he'll have and his athleticism, that's going to help him. Yeah, and I'll go further to say that the experience factor is also going to be part of it because, as I try to indicate to Josh, when he's playing four and five different positions, you know, his recognition may be a little slower. His anticipation may be a little bit slower. You focus him in on one or two spots, he's going to be a master of of those spots and you and i both know players who play faster are usually making more plays and by the way talk about faster the guy ran a four three nine at the combine (laughs) (laughs) i mean seriously i mean and if you watch the film on him you see his downhill speed and his ability to get to the tat to the ball it is ridiculous i mean it's just like it's just like a blur across the screen and you know he uses that speed when he doesn't play linebacker as a corner um, and as a safety, so you know that's where it, that both his speed, it, you're able to he's able to play those different positions. But I will agree with you. Let's just I tell you what, let's just eliminate some of the minutia. We're going to get you to concentrate on these two positions: inside, outside linebacker, and we're going to stick you there, and you're going to do fine. Okay. And if you ever have to, we have to have you come in for a few plays to play something else. That's okay. But really, let's just let's just get you concentrating on what you do best, and that's play linebacker and get after the quarterback. My final thought on him, Jeff, is this. When you're an offensive coordinator staying up late on Monday night and trying to game plan for the Giants defense, with all due respect to the guys that the Giants have as they're trying to build a better unit, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a guy there who causes you an excedrin headache. This guy, <laughs> this guy, right? This guy, I, Isaiah Simmons... He's going to keep you up the entire night on Monday night because you're going to be popping the entire uh, uh, jar of Excedrins trying to figure out how am I going to deal with this guy. That, that to me, is an element 
that all really good defenses need to have. They need to have that Excedrin guy on the other <laughs> side of the line. Well, a couple things. Let's just let's just clarify a few things for those younger listeners. Okay, Excedrin is like aspirin. <laughs> it's headache. Paul, headache, Paul, headache, headache Paul is dating himself Excedrinly <laughs> because that that goes way back. So in in today's term, that's like Advil or Tylenol. Okay, okay. folks. Um, and the second thing is is that yes, if I'm drafting a guy at number four, I'm I promise you that the other team has got to be looking at this guy and game planning around the ability that he brings because that's just the way it has to be. And I think this is exactly what will happen if Isaiah Simmons is a giant come next month. Okay, Jeff, we have some updated information for the fans out there, and we're pleased to uh, be able to bring this to you. The Giants have announced they have officially signed the following players pending physicals. They're no longer just about agreed to or reports they are officially signed pending physicals. James Bradbury, Nate Ebner, Cameron Fleming, Blake Martinez, Colt McCoy, Kyler Fackrell, uh, and Levine Toilolo. Cody Core, the Giants wide receiver who was on the roster last year, has also been re-signed. Now, the following agreements that we're going to mention on the show are not official. They are all according to reports we attribute for each player, uh, player, and all of them are contingent upon players passing a physical whenever that will take place. Uh, Corey Coleman, according to ESPN, uh, he, of course, uh, was injured last year on IR with the Giants. Multiple reports saying that Deion Lewis has agreed, and Dan Duggan of The Athletic saying that Austin Johnson has agreed. Now, the Johnson word came out yesterday. Let's address him. A Titans defensive tackle at 6'4", 314 pounds. He would be the ninth free agent imported to the Giants roster based on all the names that we have heard thus far this spring. Came out of Penn State in the second round in 2016. He is 25 years old. Your thoughts on the acquisition or pending acquisition and how that affects the Giants' defensive line? Uh, i tell you what I do like about this. There's a few things. Number one, I like his age at 25 years old, okay? And this will be his fifth year in the National Football League. I like that. Uh, I also like his size and girth um, because, you know, the gentleman likes those big, big defensive tackles um, to stop the run. I also know his ability to be able to play in the three and outside if you need him, depending on what system that, you know, Patrick Graham is going to bring to the table. Will it be the four down lineman or, will you know, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, we'll find out soon enough. Um, I also like he's an intelligent player, and if you've seen um, some of the, I guess, the commonality of what has been happening in free agents, Joe Judge and his staff is going out and hiring and signing guys that are smart. And that's going to help because this season you do not know what's going to happen when it goes to uh, preparation and how much they're going to get before games start. Um, so I do like the, the signing, Paul. I do like this too. Um, I think he will compete. I don't know what you know who it's going to be, but he's going to. I think he's been asked to to come in here and compete um, for a starting job, whether he'll get it or not. But he also he has a familiar coach, and that's Sean Spencer, who came from Penn State. He spent 14th and 15, uh, 2014 and 15 with him at Penn State, so they have some familiarity there. And coach. Coach Chaos, as they call him, we'll know, we'll soon be calling him that rather than Sean Spencer, um, <laughs> because people will know who he is. Um, I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last month or so, and he is just a, an outstanding football coach, a guy that's full of energy, 
And Austin Johnson kind of mimics that. That's what he told me. I actually talked to Sean yesterday, and this is what he was telling me some things about him um, that he liked a lot about this signing. Well, the thing about Johnson, he's been a part-time starter uh, mm-hmm. with the Titans and also a rotational player who obviously has a lot to prove. And, and maybe uh, the, the, exactly. the opportunity yes. to hook up again with his college coach uh, could be the very thing that will, will yeah. help him. The this shot is, of B12. Well, yeah, and this is a guy, by the way, and let's make it very clear, he was a second-round pick out of Penn State. That's right. And there's nothing to sneeze at with that. Heck no. And I mean, the year before, okay, he turned pro as he was coming out in the draft, uh, Jeff, as a defensive lineman at 300 pounds, he had over 70 tackles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's a run stopper. That's you know he's the, he's gonna he's only had two and a half sacks in his career, so that tells you he's not going to be a guy that's going to pressure the quarterback or get sacks. He's there to stop the run. Um, and listen, if they the, the more they have doing that, the better off that defense is at the second level. Um, and guys like Isaiah Simmons that we just talked about making plays, right? I mean, so um, I, I'm impressed. I, we'll see. This is a, I, I think this is a signing where it's one of these things where hey, guy. You know, you're in your fifth year in the NFL. It's time to put up or shut up and come in and show us that you can play, and maybe you'll be a part of this organization going forward. Well, certainly when you look at the Giants' current depth chart of guys who are signed uh, along the defensive line, you you have some young players in Chris Slayton and R.J. McIntosh. B.J. Hill's been around, you know, for a few years. But there's certainly an opportunity to compete, and no competition makes guys better. Oh, my goodness. And that's what Joe Judge has been saying the whole time we've been hearing him, right, about competition. But let's, let's, let's take ourselves and sit, our, take a seat in that defensive line meeting room. And at 25 years old, he's, he's probably the oldest guy in that room. I mean, think about that. That is awesome. I mean, you talk about youth, and the fact is is that when you get a coach like Captain Chaos that's going to come into there and he's full of energy, the last thing he wants is some grizzly veteran that's going to buck the <laughs> system, right? I mean, so these guys, and now you got Austin Johnson who played for Coach Chaos. He's going to come in here, and it's going to be great for them. I, I, I'm just excited about that whole positional group. Uh, you know, whenever they get started up here, I think it's going to be fun to watch. All right, so that is the uh, latest in terms of the word around the web on free agency. I don't know if the Giants are tapped out or not. I will say this. They have been incredibly busy, Jeff. Well, did and- you think they were going to go have nine guys? I was thinking maybe anywhere between five and seven was my number. Um, but nine seems to be a lot, and I think that I think there might be one or two more. Wow. I do. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you opening up your wallet to pay these guys? Because <laughs> there's not a whole lot of cap room left. You can always find money. <laughs> Just unfortunately, you and I can't, but no. they can. No. Uh, let's go to uh, to Twitter. Uh, Ed says he wants to, uh, one thing he wants to point out to Giants fans during this whole draft evaluation process. He says the team has been interviewing a lot of receivers projected to go early in the second round so don't be surprised if they take one mm-hmm. well i don't know where his information pipeline is coming from <laughs> but i will tell you this the people in indianapolis at the combine made it clear to me there will be a bunch of second round graded receivers going in the fourth round because this is the deepest wide receiver draft in the 85 years of the national football league selection process Yep, and I think the Giants will be one of those teams that goes and gets them one. Now, I was talking to um, we, John and I were talking about this the other day. I, for some reason, would love to see the Giants get back up into that third round. 
up higher than where they are now. I believe it's 99th. Okay, they got a lot of lot of lot of waiting to do between that second and third round pick. They need, in my opinion, to get up in that third round somewhere. This could be a position that they go for. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I would love it actually, because when I look at the receiver and the depths that the Giants they have, they got some good players in there. But I think they need, and because of the of what you just said, Paul, they could use a receiver and go get one of these good guys in the third round. They might even find one at ninety nine in the third round. You're right. How high do you want to go, Jeff? I, I'm fine. I, I like the third. I like the third or the top of the fourth. Okay. Um, I am not going to get up that high for the uh, for a receiver. Um, and again, this is just me now. I, I think that the defense, the Giants have gone out. If you look at what they've done in the draft last year and what they've done in free agency this year, they are working. They've worked the defensive side of the football. They have not done a lot on the offense, which tells me this is where they're going to concentrate on in the draft. Well, if you look at the third and fourth rounds, because of that third round that you mentioned, the compensatory pick, which will be at 99, the Giants would next up be on the board at number 110. It's mm-hmm. not a huge gap. So in theory, if you have a bunch of receivers still available at 99, mm-hmm. you could potentially still wait to 110 to get one mm-hmm. if you felt you had to grab somebody at a different position at 99. No question. But I still would love to have some something happen. You know, a trade down, uh, something, you know, to get back up in there. Don't you agree, Paul? I mean, that's a long ways to fall between that second-round pick and 99 and the third. I wouldn't mind seeing the Giants get one in that huge gap, but, again, it all comes down to the price, and I, and I don't know what it is that they're going to have to pay. See, I, I'm of the opinion there is a real possibility that the Giants signed so many free agents in terms of quantity, to try to upgrade so many different positions, even if there are only small upgrades, because they felt that they are going to have a gap in the third round, knowing they could not have a bunch of premium draft picks in the first two days, they needed to get more players in free agency. And and I could understand the logic there. You know, make a bigger splash in free agency, sign fewer players for larger contracts, if you think you're going to be drafting more players on the backside of the deal. Mm-hmm. But but they went heavy in free agency by trying to incrementally improve a slew of spots, Yeah, which yeah. says to me maybe they understand that they're not going to get a high third-round pick in exchange uh, as part of a trade with somebody. Well, I would think that would be their thinking because a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush. You don't know, right? So you got to no. plan accordingly. Um, I like what they've done in free agency from before it started. I wanted them to go out and get these types of players, guys that are hungry, guys that are smart, guys that can show me a one-year deal, show me what you can do. Don't spend a whole lot of money, maybe one big player when Bradbury's the guy they got. Okay, so that's fine with me. Um, I, I want these guys to come in here and play for Joe Judge. They have some experience with some of the coaches on staff here, and I think this is the way to do it. I would have done the same thing. Um, but now it's time for me to, to be really good in the draft and go get some really good football players at the positions that we've talked about, that offensive line, that receiver position. Um, and then, by the way, you know, you, you, we have not talked enough, in my opinion, about that offensive line and what we're going to do because you know, I could sit up here all day and talk about it. You know, you know I can. <laughs> and I can too. <laughs> so. I, I will add this to you. Think about this uh, during uh, your, your off time hours, and I know we have a lot of them these days, Jeff. 
The Giants would then pick again in the fifth round at number 150 overall. So they go from 99 to 110 to 150. Now, if you were to trade your third rounder at 99 and your fifth rounder at 150, according to the old Jimmy Johnson trade value chart, that's only going to get you up about eight spots. Uh, If you wanted to trade your 99 and your 110, that could get you into the mid-80s or so. And I just don't know if the price is really worth it. No, it's not. I don't think so. I think the way that you're going to get that that high third-round draft pick is trading down at the top. I don't know what the Jimmy Johnson, you know, what is that? The table he has? What does right, that do? Right, right. So when you drop down four spots from number four to number nine or eight, what does that give you? What should it give you? Well, that should give you a, a mid-second rounder, maybe even an early second rounder. Okay, well, then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm not worried. If I've got a mid to a late second rounder, I could care less if I'm in the high 13s. I, <laughs> I've landed in the second, you know, but... Um, and who knows it maybe some maybe you get a number one out of this deal from somebody that wants like a you know a dolphins or somebody like that or the chargers some i know the dolphins have three number one draft picks in yes. the first round yes. so you know it's all it's all fun to talk about um we're getting close to that point um we hope that everything works out as far as that and it goes accordingly but the fact is is that um we're getting close to it and it's fun to keep talking about it um but you know, who is going to be that number four guy? Is it going to be Isaiah Simmons that we talked about today, Paul? Um, or is it going to be a, a, a premier offensive lineman? We will see. All right. We have a, uh, another Twitter question from Clayton Harding. He says he likes offensive tackle Paul Adams. What have you guys seen from him so far, albeit without pads? Well, Adams uh, came to the Giants as an undrafted rookie free agent last season. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I, I know he's not on the roster right now. I think he has since landed with the Washington Redskins. So okay. uh, my my uh, my thoughts on that is really nothing because uh, the former <laughs> U- the former University of Missouri offensive lineman is no longer part of the equation, at least as far as I know. Uh, we continue to go here through uh, Twitter, and let's see here. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Okay, don't see anybody else here. Okay, oh, there's one right here. Uh, This is GPA 15. Says, I'm thinking that bringing in Johnson uh, facilitates a strategy of playing Williams outside more. Well, your thoughts on that, Jeff? Say that again? He says he thinks that bringing in at least the reported deal with Austin Johnson would would play Leonard Williams outside more at the defensive end spot instead of shifting him into tackle in obvious passing situations. Well, I mean, that could that could be I mean, yeah, I could see that. I could also see Dexter Lawrence playing outside with the two big big boys inside, you know? So um yeah, and listen, it opens up a lot of things that you can do with these guys. You know Leonard Williams can play both positions. Yes. And so does Austin Johnson. Um Coach Chaos told me yesterday. So I feel like, you know, that that's a good question and actually the answer is absolutely 100 percent well the bottom line is the giants are very happy that they've got a guy like lawrence who can play in and out they've got williams who can play in and out uh bj hill has actually played some in and out also to be perfectly honest with you tomlinson's the only one who i don't see making any moves at all he is a defensive tackle and that's okay and that's okay because you know what he's just getting better and better you know so um, he's he's perfectly fine in that position, and that's what he does. 
All right. We invite you, as always, folks, to yeah. uh, hit us up on Twitter at Giants WFAN or at Jay Fiegels. Uh, also, you can go to Twitter and go hashtag Giants Chat and uh, hit us up there as well. Um, just see if there's anything else here. We have uh, no nothing else. Oh, well, Scott Barman says he wants you to know, uh, I guess it was yesterday, NFL Network had a replay of Super Bowl Forty Two, and he mm. says it never gets old. <laughs> no, why would that? <laughs> That's the best game in the history of all being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, we had that conversation last week on the program, Jeff, about how you have not gone back and watched. Have yeah. you since gone back and watched nope. the game? No, I haven't. It's been too busy. It's been too busy doing things. And, uh, you know, I try not to – I'm not a big TV watcher to begin with, Paul. Um, so even in the times like now where we're all staying in, um, I'm finding things to do. I'm, I'm, you know, getting out in the yard. I'm doing some projects in the house and spending time with the kids and – um, things like that. So, no, I have not been able to do that. But you know what? It would be fun maybe maybe Sunday when the kids are all at home. Um, well, they're home now. I have one that's still in Hoboken, but maybe he'll come home this weekend. We can turn that thing on and just kind of reminisce a little bit. All right. That would be very cool. Now, in the meantime, I know while the fans continue to hit us up on Twitter, I want to also alert everybody out there to the New York Giants Bracket Challenge, which is also on Twitter as the Giants are asking their fans to go to YouTube and vote for the greatest games in Giants history. Now, Jeff, I don't know if you've participated. I don't even know if you're eligible to vote. But I will tell you, I will tell you, uh, oh, by the way, uh, 2007 against Dallas, 2007 against Green Bay in the playoffs, and obviously your Super Bowl 42 victory, all a part of the bracket and I think you would try to vote them as far along as you possibly could. Oh, I wouldn't even have to look at any part of the bracket. I would just already, <laughs> I would just vote. Okay, look, I got the, I got, the, I brought the bracket up here right now. Okay, so Super Bowl 2007 divisional playoff versus Dallas. Oh, up against a, uh, one of the Super Bowls. Oh, that's that that a t- that is a tough one now because that's, that's a, going up against Super Bowl twenty five. Yeah, that's, ter- that's a tough first round draw right there. Right? It really okay. is. It so really is. Then we got this one here, the 07 championship. Uh, NFC Championship versus an 81 Dallas Week 16 game. I don't remember the 81 Dallas game. I know you will. That is um, the overtime kickoff uh, field goal by Joe Danello that made the Giants 9-7 and seven and ultimately, after Green Bay lost to the Jets the next day, allowed the Giants to get back into the postseason for the okay. first time since the 63 campaign. Well, that's not going to trump the 2007 NFC Championship game in 25 below zero. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think that it would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, of course, then we got the uh, – where's the next one here? And then Super Bowl 42 against the 86 Week 13. Come on, folks. I mean, uh, that's just not going to happen either. So two of the three that I see here of that season – um, are going to go, or they're going to, they're going to go forward. See, are there any other games in here that I was on part of that? Um, no, those are the only ones that I'm seeing that I was a part you, of. So. You weren't part of the 56 NFL championship uh, No, game? 50, I was 57 <laughs> I came in, Paul. So, <laughs> yeah, I just missed that by a year. You know, I, I've never asked this of you, and I know how much you value your, your championship uh, Super Bowl victory against the Patriots for many, many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. But because you don't get there if you don't win the playoff games that lead into the Super Bowl, do do you at all ever think about the importance of the road getting there as opposed to actually winning the trophy? Oh, 100%. 
a hundred much more difficult, right? I mean, because in 07, the way we had to do it, we were on the road every one of them, right? Um, you know, the first one, I I I knew that we could win that game. I just knew that going down there, we were going to be Tampa fine. Bay. Yeah, that was we were going to beat them. That's no big deal. The next one going to Dallas was the one where you scratch your head and go, okay, all right, it is Dallas. Um, we we know them well, but we're going to have to play good. And that interception just you know sealed it sealed it right there. Um, I McQuarters. Oh my God! And I did see. I did. I don't know where I saw it. Maybe it might have been on Twitter. Yeah, I think it was on Twitter. I was surfing Twitter the other night, and, and I think they were maybe doing this bracket. I don't know what it was, but there was a there was a clip of it. Um, oh, I know what it was. It was just it was to make you happy. You know, this does this make you happy? Because we need a lot of happiness in today's world, right? And that was a picture of R.W. You know, intercepting that intercepting that ball in Dallas. So. But then to go to the, the NFC Championship game, something that I had never been to, right? I've been to a playoff game, but it mm-hmm. was never to that one. So, yes, I reflect on those games. In fact, I probably remember more of those games rather than I do the Super Bowl. Because really? Because those, those games were more like just – it's just the ride. It was just the journey that we went on. Every every time we went on the road, we won. We won. We won. We stuck together. So, yeah, it was it – was, it was, what a what a just what a great season, man! Oh man, just and I'm so fortunate to be able to to talk about that and being able to have that Super Bowl ring for as many seasons that I played in this league. Uh, I just wouldn't feel complete. I really wouldn't if I had not won a Super Bowl or even been to one, let alone you know win it. I'd only been to one and we won it. So is is that something that adds like extra icing to it that you had played in the league for so long yes. and then finally got it in other words like Howard Cross got one as a rookie yeah. okay and yeah. then he got back there 10 years later and the Giants did not beat the Ravens they mm-hmm. lost to Baltimore but he got there as a rookie his perspective on a Super Bowl is probably different than yours 100% i mean just like if you ask all those rookies on the 07 team you know, look at how lucky those guys were in their first year to win a win a, a championship like that. See, to me, you know, I don't know what movie it was. Is you know, you complete me. That that, that completed me. That that was it. That, Jerry, Magu- was, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. That was, <laughs> so I'm telling you, there was nothing left. There was nothing left in my career to do at that point in time. And I remember after the game when my wife, when they all came down on the field, and there was if you there, people have seen it on TV. They they showed this over and over before. You know, my wife came down there with the kids and she mm-hmm. said, you know, what do we do now? And what do we do now has a lot of meaning to that. Like, what do we do now, like right now on the field? Well, we just take it all in and just do whatever, right? Right. Because we've never been here before. But what do we do now? There's nothing left to do. There really isn't. I've been to the Pro Bowl. I've been to the, to the playoffs. I've been to a championship game. And now I've won a Super Bowl. What else is there to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and, other than maybe try to go win another one. Um, and so it was just a very special time. Um, the crescendo of everything. That was it. That this crescendo, crescendo, crescendo. And that was it. How long did it take you to sleep after that? Did you stay up for like two or three days in a row? Yeah, well, we did. You remember, I mean, we had the the, the game after the game. We went to the hotel nobody went to bed. We got on a plane. We flew back here. Um, We went home quickly to change and came back the next day. I mean, for the for the parade. And then, you know, it was just amazing journey. And I, I feel like it all went by so fast. Uh, but, yeah, I had a time to sleep afterwards. There was no time to sleep during all that stuff that was going on because, yeah. you know what, I had a feeling it would never happen again. And I, the funniest story that I'll ever tell you guys, that I had. this is kind of how naive I am and just oblivious to some things, I never knew what that the Canyon of Heroes was. Being grown up out west, I never knew what the Canyon wow. of Heroes was, and I had no idea. 
um, until, you know, people were saying, hey, man, how excited is it going to be to go to the Canyon of Heroes? I'm like, what the heck is the Canyon of Heroes? Some amusement park or something? <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was a rock climbing exhibition. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, you just go home and you Google it and you're like, wait a second. Seriously? Okay, this is all right. Gonna be amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the pause button right there. Have you watched the Canyon of Heroes television coverage since then? No, I have not. You have, have not, not watched seen, that either. No, I haven't seen that either. Um, see, a lot of times, Paul, I, I I just like to keep things fresh in my mind, just from the way that I saw them from a personal perspective. Okay. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, I haven't watched it because it's so it's just so special to me. And if I watch it again. I'm sure I'll be, bring, I don't know. I just haven't had time to be, to do it. And I just, I haven't really wanted to really. Okay. Honestly. Well, yeah. you've, you've mentioned that there were things about the Super Bowl that you don't remember as well as the yeah. playoff run. Are there things about the parade that you remember more than the actual game itself? I will well, do that. I remember a couple of things. Number one, I remember driving there. Uh, my whole family was on the bus and we were on bus one, which bus one had the trophy. Mm-hmm. And so we actually got to, to be able to hold that trophy all the way from New Jersey to, uh, to, to downtown. That was fun. We got pictures with it and everything. Um, the other one is I remember just I, – all I can remember is how many people were lined up on that on those streets. And now going back into New York over the years, you know, you kind of remember. And, and going down that street and looking and just remembering all the people and, pe- and the confetti. It was cr- ridiculous. I mean, unbelievable to me. Um, and how – fast that the city could turn something like that around we just won the super bowl on sunday and we're here we're in the canyon heroes on tuesday it's unbelievable (laughs) millions of people unreal unreal great times man great hey you know what real quickly i was gonna when we talked to josh earlier the clemson reporter about the clemson tigers and this t higgins guy um i like him a lot and he's the type of receiver you would like to paul at six foot four you're you're you are uh, you're begging for another one of those big guys, aren't you? Well, yeah. The only other problem that I have with that Jeff is I think he's a late first round to early second round that's selection, okay. and that's as low as he could possibly fall. I think most people think he is going to be a first round pick. Yeah. And and the Giants just don't have a pick in that vicinity to get him. Gotcha. Because I, I I just don't see him being there when they come back on the board. Now look. If he is, I think you certainly think about it. I mean, my my opinion at this point has always been that value and need will match each other with Simmons at four and then taking an offensive tackle at pick number 36. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, people are saying four offensive tackles will go in the first round with the possibility of a fifth or a sixth if all six of the higher-level offensive tackle prospects are gone by number 36, and T. Higgins is sitting there, by all means, I'd have no problem running up to the podium and grabbing him. I just don't know that that realistically that could happen. No running. It's like on the pool deck. No running, Paul. No running at draft day either. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to trip me on my way up? I would never trip you, but you may trip yourself. So be careful. <laughs> well, Jeff, it's been a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. We, uh, we thank Josh Needleman of the Post and Courier in Charleston, South Carolina, for talking Clemson Tigers football today as we, uh, again, preview our prospects uh, going into next month's NFL draft. The Giants, again, with that fourth overall pick, and Isaiah Simmons, the outstanding, versatile linebacker uh, from the Tigers, is certainly a guy they will 
probably heavily consider whether or not he turns out to be the guy. We're only going to have to find out about a month from now. So definitely uh, stay tuned and stick around. Once again, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat, or you can always go and hit us up at, at uh, GiantsWFAN or at Jay Fiegels. And we are here every weekday with the Big Blue Kickoff Live special podcast edition as we uh, try to bring you all that there is to know about New York Giants football. Jeff, always great talking to you. And you we'll too, do Bob. it again real soon. Be well. Yeah, thank you.